to the Fit and Free with AIM podcast. I'm your host, Amy Louise. By listening to this podcast, you'll gain clarity and apply now principles in relation to training, nutrition, and mindset, all designed to help you build a strong and lean physique and show up as your best self at the same time. If you're a woman who struggles with excessive behaviors when it comes to training and nutrition and think of yourself as a perfectionist, I hear you, I see you, I was you, and I know that you're in exactly the right place to turn that ship around and build a body you love inside and out. So let's go. Super excited for this podcast today. I have my very good friend with me and I'm probably going to screw this up. Melanie, tell me, we've just been laughing about your maiden name or your last name. And I've got it right, I think. You have got it right. Hey, Amy. Um, Thank you very much for coming on. I don't think many people watch the YouTube, but if they are, they will see how freaking professional Mel's setup is compared to mine. It's very embarrassing, but it's an amazing setup and I am very jealous. I can thank my work environment for this. (laughs) It's boss as. (laughs) So, um... The reason why I wanted to get you on, Mel, I don't know if I actually told you this, but I put up a yeah, I know <laughs> I put up a Q and A on my podcast Instagram, and one of my current clients actually said, "I want to hear Mel's story. I want to hear the st- the story with her um, surgery. I want to hear the story with her weight loss, and then all of your competitive pursuits post that, which is just super exciting." And then. Um, I ran it by your coach, Dylan. Uh, he said it was cool. And um, then when I put it to you, I was like, you know, these are all the things I'd love to chat to you about. You said it was fine. Um, so, yeah, I'm just super excited to get stuck in. But before we do, how did we meet, Mel? How did we meet? And and you know what I was thinking about before? Like I know how we met, obviously. But how when did we actually become really close friend do you know what I was reflecting on this after you messaged me yesterday and I had to laugh because I would say for the first year we did not speak to each other on the gym floor apart from through my coach and it all came about because you said something to him about how well I was progressing he passed that on and I was like amazed that you even knew who I was and it wasn't until I watched you um, in a powerlifting charity day and I was like in absolute awe of you that I actually summoned up the bravery to speak to you without my coach there. Dude, man. <laughs> so was it at that was it at that charity event? Because I know yeah. the one you're talking about. Um, so we had a conversation. I don't want to jump too far into it. I think we'll have to backtrack a little bit so people understand what we're talking about. But, yeah, I was trying to figure it out. And so is that like four years now? Yeah, it would be. Yeah. Yeah, awesome. So, okay, enough of me blathering. (laughs) Um, Let's have a chat about, and there's probably a lot to say here, Mel, but um, how did you end up in front of your coach, Dylan, for the first time? Wow. Um, You're right. There there probably is a lot to say. There's probably a a whole lot of context. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I was born. uh, um, (laughs) Fast forward a lot of time. Uh, I I was definitely one of those yo-yo dieters, um, you know, tried everything uh, in air quotation marks sort of, so to speak. But 
I tried all the dumb stuff, uh, you know, cutting out carbs and, you know, don't eat after 6 p.m. Uh, you know, I'd even been on the OptiFast shake diet um, as recommended by a dietitian. Like I had gone through the motions and for about seven years, I yo-yo I dieted. I, I was successful. I'd see some success. I'd lose three to five kilos and then because of the means that I was going about it, I couldn't keep it up. I wasn't educated and I would fall off and regain more than I'd managed to lose. And then, you know, the, the, the decline in your mindset, um, the, your confidence and ability in yourself um, really does deteriorate after that sort of cycle, just continually repeating itself. Um, so yeah, that, that was about seven years of just going, you know, losing a few kilos, gaining a lot more, losing a few kilos, gaining a lot more. Then I, uh, unfortunately had a, an undiagnosed for a very long time, roughly 16 months, um, condition. I was being treated three times a week by a physio for what they were referring to as a torn shoulder. Um, and it basically my symptoms were just pain in my shoulder um, and it kind of all came to a head after, you know, nine months of three times a week uh, seeing a physio where I woke up one morning and couldn't feel my left arm. Uh had a bit of a panic attack about that, thought that I was having a stroke, went to um, the emergency department, got sent away because I was not having a stroke, um, but no one really actually addressed the fact that I couldn't feel my left arm. I was you know, relying heavily on painkillers at this stage um, just to get through my day-to-day -day life. And things were getting pretty grim for me, I must admit. There was, you know, my, my weight gain in that period of time um, was the worst it's ever been. Uh, I can look back at it now and say that it was just emotional eating to try and combat what I was going through and no one really understanding what I was experiencing experiencing. Um, thankfully, uh, after about nine months, I just happened upon a different physio um, who basically assessed me again and said, mate, this, is, this has got nothing to do with a muscle tear, um, sent me off for some scans. And the very next day, I was sitting in a neurologist's office um, being diagnosed with some pretty serious spinal um, conditions. Um, so it's a degenerative um, autoimmune condition. Um, basically, it, it will never get better. It will continue to get progressively worse and worse. Um, they can't predict when um, that's going to happen. Um, but it was just a matter of needing to manage it. The first um, protocol after that was I needed a spinal reconstruction surgery to which I simply sat there and said, oh, hell no, um, I can continue taking my box of painkillers a day and just keep going. Um, and I, I pretty much buried my head in the sand for two to three months once I got the diagnosis. Um, and then it just got the better of me and I had to go through that process. Um, had the surgery, roaring success. I literally woke up in recovery. And the first thing that I said to the nurse was it worked doesn't matter that I was high as a kite on pain meds still I could tell the sensation that it, it was it, it they'd fixed it um 
from there, pretty much a three-month recovery um, where, you know, wasn't allowed to lift anything more than 500 grams, um, which, you know, a dinner plate with food on it weighs more than that. So my my poor mum moved in with me and basically waited on me hand and foot, uh, could not move my head in any direction, was wearing a neck brace that whole time. Um, But after my three-month consult with my surgeon, he uh, basically signed me off and said, you are good to go. We think that you should have another five years um, before we need to basically reassess and do this whole process again. Um, And he said, from here, what I really need you to do is to get strong, make, make your back, make your muscles around your back as strong as possible um, because your, your vertebrae are failing you. Um, so I basically drove home via Good Life Gym, signed up at Good Life before I even got home from that surgeon's consult. And, you know, um, the funny thing is that Dylan wasn't even the first coach that I was assigned. Um, My first coach um, went missing in action after my first session. I swear it wasn't me. Um, I'm the perfect client. Um, I'm not really, but, uh, yeah, she just disappeared. Uh, So I ended up going to the desk and saying, you know, I've been stood up multiple times by this coach coach now um I need a new coach and yeah basically got a message from Dylan that night and I was like I mean I don't care what it is that you wouldn't want me to do I was just so ready to go at that point (laughs) (laughs) and breathe Melanie (laughs) there's a lot there we've you know I've heard some of that um multiple times on our walks Uh, I, I have I have a lot of questions as, as your friend, but I'm going to try and keep this for <laughs> the audience. So, Mel, <laughs> um, you said, you know, that coach sort of went MI after your first session, but when you, when Dylan messaged you, you were like, I'm all, like, I'm committed. Yeah. Are you able, can you, rem- this might sound dumb, of course you can probably remember. Can you remember what was in your mind at that time about why it was so important for you to start training? Yeah, man, I was desperate. Like, At at that point in time, I was 98 kilograms, uh, the heaviest I'd ever been in my life. But to me, it wasn't even about losing weight at that point, which I know sounds absurd. Um, Kind of looking back at it, of course, I was incredibly overweight and needed to lose weight. I was basically just focused on the time-sensitive nature that my neurosurgeon had said to me, you need to strengthen your muscles. So I was just like desperate to do that and I was determined to do that because there's nothing like a spinal reconstruction surgery to sort of light a fire under your ass that you need to do this. Um, So, you know, I've kind of always got that motivation that I can fall back on. Um, Funnily enough, uh, as you already know, Amy, but um, I got given the you've got five years roughly, it was 10 months before I needed my second spinal reconstruction surgery. Um, so that that was a real kick in the nuts um, because that I felt as though I'd done everything that was asked of me um, because I had, you know, 
left the surgeon's office, signed up at the gym. I'd been diligent with going to the gym. I had a PT. We had a plan. Um, I was losing weight, which was just like a really nice side effect of me focusing on let's get strong. Um, Let's build these muscles in case my spine decides to disintegrate further. Um, So, yeah, 10 months in um, and then being told you need a second one, that that wasn't fun. Mm. During that initial 10 months, Mel, this was the first time you'd done proper program training? Uh, No, not really. So I had joined a gym twice before and I had been given, I'm I'm going to call it a program from the, you know, the gym coaches that were there each time. Um, You know, I I was following along the, the bits of paper that they were giving me, but, you know, Based on what I know now, it was it was just, you know, here, go and do three sets of 10 of these five bits of equipment. And never once did I change from that. Never once did I change the weights from that. So, you know, I look back at it now and think, you know, if only I had, you know, seven years earlier, um, you know, found a good coach that, you know, my first step into a gym, because when I first joined a gym seven years before this, I hated it. It it was absolutely horrible because it, it, there was just no understanding of what I was doing. I had five pieces of equipment that I needed to use. I used them and then that was it. I was like, you know, this level on this machine and this level on this machine, no one had ever said to me, you need to try and progress up um, through this or anything like that. And, you know, I'm not going to just blame the coaches that were there. I never took it upon myself to learn those things either. I never asked the questions, but I think I was, I was so new to it all um, and just didn't even know what questions to ask. Um, So, you know, in, 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 to answer your question, in a way, yes, it was the first time I'd actually properly been coached through a program um, and sort of, you know, educated, I think, is that the main key point for me because it wasn't until I started with Dylan where the education piece started to fall into place and I started to learn and understand where I was going wrong, what would get me on the path to doing the right things. So was this time, would you say that it was easy for you, quote, unquote, easy, easy for you to be consistent with your training in that first 10 months or was there was there battles for you? Um, I don't want to add another question onto that, so I'll leave that there with that. Yeah, it's interesting because... To some extent, they're lighting the fire under your ass of having that, you know, (laughs) external motivation of, oh, guess what? Your spine's going to disintegrate on you. Um, That does add an element of, you know, motivation to getting to the gym. Um, But I think also just booking in the sessions with a coach also help. Like, I, I certainly, I would say it took me a long time to make going to the gym a part of my daily habit or my routines and things like that, that, you know, it is now, it's second nature. It's, it's just what I need to do. So I think it, it very early on having a coach in part was making sure that I actually turned up to the gym when I said I would. Um, And that was a, a big part of the motivation initially. 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You were you were organ you had organized to see Dylan three times a week, even from the start. No, so initially it was only twice a week, um, and then after a while, um, I actually remember sending him a message saying, um, "Would would it be like?" devastating to you if I added an extra day of the week or is that too much to see of me and basically told me to shut the fuck up as he always does and uh yeah pretty much for the last few years sorry I'm swearing all over your podcast here (laughs) um yeah so I would say for about three years now, it has been three times a week. Um, And a lot of that was um, down to when I went into strength training in particular, I, I certainly didn't have that confidence in my form and technique to be lifting the loads that I knew I was probably capable of lifting on my own. And and that was another thing that um, how we kind of hit it off was uh, Dylan went on a holiday, very rude of him for (laughs) about three weeks um, in the middle of my first ever dedicated strength block. And at that time I was terrified. I'm sure you recall of bench pressing. I was adamant that I was going to, kill myself under the bar so I was like Amy can you like be my standing coach one session a week just to make sure I don't kill myself on bench press and I think looking back at it now I was probably like benching like 30 35 kilos and I'm like what was I thinking but anyway <laughs> it was I, I I actually think it was I my memory is that it was over 50 oh okay yeah. that makes me feel slightly yeah, better than five something like that <laughs> Um, I did want to ask Mel, what was your experience with friends or family in Mm. the initial, let's go up until you committed to powerlifting because I want to talk about powerlifting as a separate block, but up until you committed to powerlifting. So if you can just chat about like, first of all, I guess, not only the change in lifestyle, you did also have a huge weight loss result, which I don't think you've said yet. So you can mention that so people know what happened. But um, what was the reaction through friends and family? Because I don't quite know that. Yeah. Okay. So yes, I did end up losing quite a bit of weight. So um, at my leanest, uh, uh, I went down 35 kilos. Um, So yeah, quite quite a chunk of weight. Um, I'm currently in um, the depths of a growth phase. So I've regained some of that again, which I'm, I'm, yeah. We'll talk about that that later. That's a whole nother story, isn't it? Um, But, yeah, so I I did lose 35 kilos in total. And I'd say, so it was interesting. Dylan and I were discussing this the other day. For the first six months, we didn't even, he hadn't assigned me, like, calories to go for, nothing. It was just, okay, let's start education on ways to improve your diet like you know what sort of substitutes can you make like and at the time I well I still am a bit of a coffee fiend but at the time I was probably drinking about five large lattes a day and not even thinking anything of it um so it it was like you know maybe we could cut that five large lattes to three small (laughs) um and then you know 
repair it back from there and just things like that, just like making better choices. Um, and probably in that first six months without even, without tracking, without a target to hit, um, definitely being more active as well, I lost around about eight to 10 kilos without really thinking anything of it. Um, and then after that, it was like, okay, so now we're going to start tracking food and here's some targets to hit. And it was quite interesting because, uh, you know, hello, recovering perfectionists over here. I, I saw that as I have to hit this number and started playing bloody Jenga with macros. And the, the first little while of tracking was a nightmare. Um, but it wasn't until sort of I, again, took that leap to educate myself further. So that's actually the point that I started listening to a whole heap of podcasts um, on fitness because I was it's like, okay, so I, I, I need to start understanding more, educating myself more. And there was so much good information out there. I just wasn't exposed to any of it. Um, so, yeah, basically starting to surround myself with all the information, it, it made that sort of next six to 12 months a whole lot easier. Um, and then sort of the weight really did quite rapidly come off after that and then maintained it for a number of years um, with a few few extra little weight loss journeys uh, speckled in there for certain reasons. But, uh, yeah, basically the, the majority of it came off within the first 18 months um, and have just maintained since. And Mel, what about the reactions of those closest to you? Supportive, mm. confused, worried? Uh, <laughs> bit mixed. Yeah, it's pretty mixed. So it was interesting. Sort of the first 10, 15 kilos. Uh, well, actually, Matt, the first 10 kilos, people were kind of silent. No one really said anything. Um, and I, I, I feel like in hindsight, that's because they'd all seen me go through it so many times before. Oh, here goes Mel on one of her crazy ways of losing weight and she'll rebound back. Um, and it was probably after the 10 kilo mark and then, you know, the the and the continuation of that, that people then started noticing it. And initially it was quite positive, like people actually mentioning it, you're looking great, you're looking healthy, those sorts of things. Um, quite interestingly, it was probably once I started to get below 60 kilos that it sort of flipped and people weren't as supportive anymore, um, you know, what are you doing? You're taking this too far. You're all skin and bones. Girls shouldn't look like that. All of the really standard things, you know, you've got too much muscle. Um, so, yeah, but I would say from my friendship group, most of them were pretty supportive um, for the majority of it and still are. Um, I have a couple of friends that kind of, you know, those, those friends that I used to socialise a lot more with, go out for drinks with, things like that, uh, they've probably objected to it a little bit more because they feel as though it's impacting on their lives to some extent. Um, whereas, I, you know, for the most part, I'm still willing to go out um, and do things. But I, I think it's just... It's almost human behaviour that if you're used to, you know, enjoying a drink, a glass of wine or something with a friend, um, you know, it, for, that, for that friend to no longer be drinking, it, it almost feels weird for you to then be drinking, whereas I'm quite happy for them 
to have that drink and me to have water. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that there's been some challenges along the way. Um, and, you know, just just sort of habits of friends as well, like coming back from the bar with a glass of wine for me and I'm like, I didn't want that. And, you know, th- then that awkwardness of, but I bought it for you. It's like, but I didn't want it. I never asked for it. I didn't want it. So there's been a couple of those hiccups along the way, but I'd say for the most part, most of my friends have been pretty supportive of me. If anything, I'm the one that's kind of shunning the friends going, no, you can't participate in this. Um, I think we had a, we had an interesting chat when I uh, was doing my powerlifting that I banned people from coming to watch me and you're like, what the hell, girl? <laughs> What was that about, Mel? Just yeah, what was that about? Um, I just wanted to focus, man. Like, I don't want to, I think my personality, like you know what I'm like on the gym floor, I'll talk to anyone and easily distracted was written on my report card uh regularly when I was at school. So uh yeah, I think it was just needing to focus, wanting, wanting not to be distracted, not feeling like I need to entertain people because, damn, man, powerlifting comps are a long day. Um, to ask people to turn up for essentially 90 seconds of platform time for someone when really they don't know anything about the sport. Um, I, I just felt like it was too much to ask of people, really. <laughs> they can see the videos afterwards. All right, you're so nice. It's never... <laughs> Things cross my mind that I'd need to entertain someone. I'm just like, yes, come support me, please. <laughs> Let's segue into powerlifting. So what I'd love to ask you, Mel, is what happened from um, you being told it's important for you to strengthen your back mm. to the decision to actually um, compete in a novice meet. So, yeah, do you want to talk to us about, like, how did Dylan get you involved? (laughs) I think to begin with, it was probably just my negligence of understanding around what my medical team meant by get strong. Like, clearly I just took that as a damn throwdown of you have to be the strongest person in the gym, not hey, maybe you should, like, do some resistance training. No, I took it as who the hell is strong and get after that. So um, basically uh, when it came time to sort of diverge and decide what my goals were so my coach could program for me, he was very much like, hey, here's some hypertrophy. You'll love it. And I'm like, no, man, give me strength. And that's all I was interested in. (laughs) And he's like, I think you'd really be suited to hypertrophy training. I'm like, I just need to get strong. Um, So we had that battle for a long time and it it was funny because we kind of had an agreement that I would try hypertrophy training for a block and then if I still wanted to, I could go back to strength and I'd clearly already made my mind up that I'm going back to strength regardless. Um, But I, I diligently went through my hypertrophy block and then went back to strength training. Um, But I think it got to the point where it was like, well, mate, if you're going to go down this path, maybe you should consider doing this charity day that we're running, um, you know, run twice a year, maybe take part. Well, I'd already seen you compete the one before and was like in awe that like such a small human could like lift something so goddamn heavy. 
And I'd done the sort of group exercise parts of those days and they were so much fun and I was like totally jealous of the people in it. But the funny thing was, I think I've told you this before, but anyway, when he first suggested it to me, I was like, no, no, don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And the reason was I didn't want him to be judged for how shit I was. And I was like, I'm going to be so bad at this and I don't want his peers looking at what I do and turn around and go, what the fuck has he been teaching her? And, yeah, so I was like, no way, man, I'm not doing this. And then it just finally got to a point where he... The, the charity day was coming up. The program got released for everyone who was doing it and he just made me start training on that program um, and eventually I just signed up to it. But even like a couple of days before it, I was having freakouts that I was like really going to embarrass him. Um, apparently I didn't. What was the day like for you? So just for everyone's context, we were both with SDC Fit at the time. Yeah. I don't know that I did that one that charity. no you didn't do that one um so we were both with SCC but at the time it was such an amazing community vibe yeah. um all well almost everyone who was um lifting on the day it might have been their first time or second time um I don't think many people had actually done a proper like sanctioned meet before no. so so the vibe and the community there was ridiculously supportive so I do just want to preface that with the the whole vibe but Mel what was your on the day how did it feel yeah it was amazing like absolutely loved that first comp um I I basically threw out the window everything that Dylan had ever taught me about how to deadlift on my final deadlift um but it still went up um uh, <laughs> I was embarrassed for myself. I apologized to him straight away and he just laughed at me. Um, but yeah, it was amazing. Like it definitely gave me a, the sort of powerlifting bug. Um, I was, I was in at that point. I, I decided, hell yeah, there's more to this than just let's save your spine from disintegrating. I actually really fell in love with the sport of powerlifting and just the, the you know, how supportive people were. And, I mean, I know that everyone there was an STC client or friend or family member of STC Fit, but having people, like, just so all in for you to hit those lifts, they've never met you, but they are all in. And I was like, this is a sport. So, yeah. I decided to take part again. <laughs> now, um, what what was your experience of powerlifting overall? And can you talk us through each of the, just briefly, each of the competitions, what your mm. feelings were right up until the last time that you competed? <laughs> oh, the last time. Uh, okay, so, yeah, the, just discuss the first time. That was in the middle of 2019. Um, loved it so much that uh, decided, hell, let's do that again. Um, so because the charity day was run twice a year, uh, December 2019, uh, straight back into um, a strength block. Yep, I'm in. This is fantastic. Prep went amazing um, and I was like so happy and I had really high expectations of what I was going to do on the day. 
Um, and then on the day, um, I remember having a conversation with you afterwards, but I was like incredibly disappointed, um, which in hindsight, I'm a psychopath um, <laughs> because there was absolutely no reason to be disappointed about that next comp because the reality is I had increased my squat bench and deadlift, increased my total, uh, everything should, I should have come away with that from that comp as well going, damn, this is the sport for me. Uh, but instead I was incredibly disappointed because I expected to do better. Uh, and, you know, the main reason was that I'd, I'd hit those weights in the gym um, for most of those lifts. Um, so I'd, I'd had this um, expectation that I was going to add like another 10 kilos on top of what I'd already hit in training um, on comp day. And it, it just, it wasn't to be. Um so, yeah, I remember having long chats to you afterwards because I said to you, I'm really disappointed. That was terrible. The look of damn confusion on your face and you trying to hide that. Like, oh, yeah, Mel, I can see why you'd be disappointed with that. Um, and really just like spiralled mentally because I was like um, STC Fit had done, you know, built an amazing powerlifting team and here's me like wallowing in my misery off to the side only for them to basically announce who they were going to take to um, the, the following year's APU qualifiers um, and my name got announced and I didn't want to get up because I was like so embarrassed at my efforts and yeah like <laughs> proper three-year-old tantrum going on internally but like the consummate professional uh, got up, stood up in front of a room full of people, smiled graciously whilst everyone congratulated me. And internally, I was just like destroying myself because of my expectations. Um, had a really interesting chat the next morning with my coach um, when I got to training, basically saying that I wasn't going to do it. I, I'm, I'm quitting powerlifting. That's it. Done. Uh, the head coach of STC Fit, uh, Ben, he he basically, God bless him, he, he spent roughly an hour just sending me messages back and forth, essentially explaining the world of powerlifting to me and, you know, most people don't improve by 10 kilos per lift in a lifetime of lifting, why the hell did I think that I was going to be doing it then? And he was like, you know what, you're actually, you know, you've got some potential, you're pretty good at it, you know, it'd be be disappointing if you didn't do it. So um, 24 hours later after I uh, gloriously quit uh, my position in the uh, APU qualifying STC fit powerlifting team. I um, used my rights as a woman um, and changed my mind <laughs> and I was back. Um, but it was funny because that was, we, we competed um, in that um, comp together, which was awesome. Uh, and it was funny because yet again, I, I kind of came away from that day feeling a bit disappointed. Um, it was a six week turnaround from the, um, comp that I'd just done. And I actually finished with slightly lower total, um, at that. And I think, you know, in hindsight, I was burnt. <laughs> I'd, I'd done too many comps in quick succession as a newbie. Um, and it, 
you know, I, I look at it now and think it's so funny that I was disappointed with getting onto the podium um, in my first sanctioned meet. Um, but I remember your name being called out because you, you came third in our weight class and I was like, yeah, Amy, like this is the legend that I'd like watched and like inspired me. And like I was so excited. I was like celebrating, stood next to my coach and then my name got read out and I was like, what the fuck? What are you talking about? And Ben actually came up to me afterwards and he's like, bloody told you you were all right at this, didn't I? And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I believe you now. <laughs> um, so that kind of, yeah, that got to, got us to, when was that? February 2020, I think it was. Yeah. So COVID then struck um, and destroyed my chances of kind of moving on to states um, for APU that year. But I decided, yep, I'm going to stick with this powerlifting thing. I'm, I like it enough to give it another go. Um, so then it wasn't until January of 2021, did another qualifier um, and finally um, finished up and felt content after that, I'd had a good prep, did well on the day, um, on the podium again. So, yeah, it kind of all came to a head and I was like, yeah, I'm pretty happy with that. And the, the overwhelming feeling, because I'd actually had some back issues kind of crop up again in the sort of final stages of that prep, was I remember just feeling content that if I had to stop at that point, I felt okay with where I got up to. Um, but thankfully I pushed on and up until my last comp, uh, which was the middle of last year, state, uh, Vic state, um, championships, uh, interesting prep that one. It, it was kind of all over the shop a bit. Um, it kind of came together right at the end. Um, but PB'd every single lift, um, and amazingly came first, for the women's open. Uh, so across all the women that competed on the day, uh, regardless of weight class, came out on top. But the, the most bizarre part of it was because of COVID um, and the restrictions that we had, they had to do the day in flights. Um, so I left not knowing how I'd performed and basically got an email the next day to tell me that I'd won the Vic State Championships. Um, so yeah, that was fun. Uh, that was a quick message to Dylan going, oh my fucking God, can you believe this? But even before I found out that I'd won it, I, w I was happy. I was like, yep, did I smashed that. I was so happy with it all. The plan was to go to nationals and compete at nationals. COVID ruined my life yet again. It got cancelled about eight weeks out from comp. So we, we got put back into lockdown again. Um, so, yeah, the decision had already been made that, um, you know, 2021 was going to be my final powerlifting year for a while. Um, I'm, I've decided that my spine needed a, uh, a bit of a break from the heavy lifting. Uh, my neurologist had kind of preempted that and there was a bargain on the table with him that I was allowed to see out the 2021 season and then have a break to um, kind of just see how my spine reacts from not lifting heavy so interesting isn't it just how you know with COVID and I've just been sort of watching some things on YouTube I just started watching Cheer have you watched Cheer on YouTube? Yes 
<laughs> just watching how like COVID impacted them and just thinking about athletes, you know, that impacted athletes. And uh, after that, your lift in the last, in the, um, the, the big state comp, we spoke and that was the first time in my mind I'd seen you really happy with your results Uh, as you've already said you know that first time you were incredibly disappointed um or the second time you're incredibly disappointed yeah um but even when you're saying like that was it geez I my dates are getting so badly confused so hard with COVID isn't it it's like I don't know what year it is anymore one of the the APL comp yeah APL was 2021 2021 you know my brain still didn't register you as being happy you said you said you felt content uh yeah that was that was the APU um local qualifier yeah Yeah. so that that one um out of into performance which is an incredible gym by the way Uh, do yourselves a favor get there to train (laughs) um yeah that one I was content mainly because uh, the funny thing is I remember sitting on the floor after the day was done, the guys were still lifting. Um, so all, all the adrenaline sort of draining from your body at that point, you've given it everything. And I sat on the floor by myself for a moment and almost burst into tears because I'd had basically, I think it was less than a week before peak week my back went on me and I couldn't feel my right leg, Um, which is less than ideal when you're trying to do a strength sport. Um, And it was questionable as to whether I was going to that comp. Um, Thankfully, everything sort of rectified itself. Um, So a lot of my problems come about when there's a lot of inflammation in my spine um, and it just kind of causes chaos. The inflammation of the heavy lifting, dieting to make weight uh, for the comp and things like that, it it just kind of all came together um, and unfortunately meant that in my two weeks of heavy lifting that was meant to be my peaking, um, I did not lift a single deadlift, um, could not get it off the floor and kept failing squats as well. Um, and it, it all came down to my spine failing me. So, yeah, at the end of that comp, it was very much content that I got to the platform um, and it was almost like if if I have to call it quit here, I'm satisfied with where I ended up as, you know, a power lifter, um, which, yeah, I don't really consider myself that but you know I I took part in powerlifting then (laughs) so yeah um it it wasn't necessarily happy because I still felt like there was there was more that I could have achieved um and I think that's just that's just the beauty of sport yeah or like constantly going after crazy ass goals is I don't think you're ever really truly happy Um, and it's not until you start reflecting on it afterwards that you're like, damn, actually, that was was all right. I did all right there. Um, So, yeah, I think it was one of those moments of, okay, if if I'm told by the neurologist next week that stop, I would have felt 
I was in a position to stop um, and being okay with that. Interestingly, I, I feel like there's sort of unfinished business um, on the table a bit because nationals was taken away from me um, because of COVID. So, you know, it's it's one of those interesting things where I'd almost gone to the point of going, yep, okay, I could stop after this comp, but then I had like such a successful next comp that I was like, nah, just keep going, just keep going. Um, so, yeah, I'll be back. <laughs> no, there you go. It's been announced. It's been announced. I'll be back. Mel, I'm really curious for us to just chat a little bit about this. You've called yourself a recovering perfectionist, but it's like this, I would say it's an intrinsic motivation Mm -hmm. that you have and that we've seen that in a lot of areas of your life. What comes with that is high standards and high expectations. What comes with that is both you achieve amazing things but there's also the, I don't know if pressure is the right word, but you in, incredibly, like there's a lot of beating yourself up. There's a lot of being unable to see an objectively good result for what it is and thinking it's shit. Now, I've been talking with Jess a lot about these kinds of things and, you know, me, I'm not a black and white person and I don't think that I, I speak about helping recovering perfectionists all the time. One thing I actually say is there are so many qualities of perfectionism that are actually really assisting you in your journey mm. and it's not all bad. No, not at all. And it's it's just this really, really interesting thing, Mel, where it's like sometimes though that beating you up, can it can propel people further, it can create drive, it can create purpose, um, fulfilment, satisfaction, um, enjoyment even of Mm -hmm. the process and it can make it all that more meaningful and rich. But how do you you deal with those days where you are like, I'm quitting, I'm just going to quit? Yeah, man, I reckon every prep comes with a few of those. And it's interesting because it's usually triggered by self-perception that I'm not progressing. Um, So I I think one of the things that I, I still struggle with is I think one of my core values is about progression and you know just constantly improving what whatever that is in um and you know I spoke about you know trying to get educated in things um earlier it's the same sort of sort of drive that I'm like I need to progress um so in the depths of a prep um sometimes you are not going to progress um it's hard to hear it's hard to experience um but it, it, it's fact. Um, and it, I think for me, I, I've kind of learnt now that it's to some extent got to do with the understanding that you're pushing yourself enough because if, if you weren't pushing yourself enough, you probably would progress every single session, every single week. Um, so I kind of look at it now as like, yeah, I'm working hard enough and, and sort of pat myself on the back um, that way. But, yeah, it, it, it can be difficult um, to kind of reflect on those sorts of situations in a prep um, and just 
you know, have to deal with it because the negative talk does start climbing in of you're you're not cut out for this, you're shit, you're not going to be able to do this, you're going to embarrass people on the day. And it's interesting, like my, my first ever sort of step into powerlifting, there was still argument about that um, because I didn't want to embarrass my coach. Even to the last states, that's still something that when when you're in the depths of prep and things start getting difficult, you start considering um, as a client, like my coach has put so much effort in this. I, you know, if I miss lifts on the day, is it a reflection on them? And it's trying to separate yourself from those sorts of um, thoughts that are going through your head because it, it is just self doubt, um, and you, you are capable of so much more if you put that self doubt to the side. Um, but a lot of the times, you know, you do get stuck in it. Um, and that's where, you know, having made friends in the world of powerlifting, you know, having access to so many great coaches, even people just like on Instagram that are in this world, like, man, it's amazing how many people reach out when you're in your prep and just say something to you. And then you, you'll start up a conversation and just like, oh, you know, I really struggling at the moment it's like oh yeah I've been there before don't worry about it it'll become good on the day and you know I, I've made some amazing friends you know I say friends I've never met them um but we'll we'll chat during each other's preps um as a support mechanism um to get through it so I think it's it's, it's remembering that you're not alone in the journey and when the, those thoughts do start coming in that you're not good enough um it's remembering that you know, you've got so far already, um, you've already amazed yourself with what you've achieved and it's just a matter of proving yourself and kind of sticking with it long enough for those results to come good. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about the decision to move to <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so wow. how did that come about? <laughs> um, so I, I guess it was... Um, there's a couple of points here. So my neurologist had already um, asked me to take a break um, from heavy lifting. <laughs> so you decided to do bodybuilding. <laughs> yeah. This is how my brain works, Amy. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not great at ticking off, like, my process goals without, like, a big outcome-driven goal <laughs> with a set end date that, like, no one else is going to try and do. Um, so if like, you know, 1% of the population is going to try it, I want to be within that 1% and just do something stupid and give it a go. Um, so that is, you know, for me <laughs> going into ICN figure season B, um, which is the new goal at the moment. Um, it, it was, it was, yeah, it was born in a couple of parts. It, it I had to give powerlifting a go. I didn't want to, uh, give it up for a year with nothing else to drive me. Um, so, yeah, it seemed like, you know, the next best thing to give a go. But it was interesting because I, I also, and I can't remember for the life of me which one it was, but a podcast that you and Nat did um, on it, the STC Fit uh, podcast, you had a guest on and she was talking about she had done bodybuilding and powerlifting and she's like 
you don't know which one you like more until you've given them both a try. And I was like, hang on a minute. <laughs> I'm thinking that I love powerlifting. Maybe I should try bodybuilding. Uh, so, yeah, that kind of also gave me um, a bit of resolution to try it. Um, I think when I... Uh, I actually sprung it on my coach just in our weekly check-in um, where he's like, any other comments that you want to make? And I was like, don't panic or overreact, but I'm thinking I might look into doing a bodybuilding comp. And, yeah, his response was like pretty much, yeah, drop the mic. He was over the moon. I think he's just glad I'm not a power lifter this year. <laughs> so he's all in on that. Um, and then actually just kind of um, having a chat to you on one of our many walks and you were like, hey, you know, may maybe hit your coach Jason up, um, have a chat to him. Um, and yeah, I, I did, I set up a call with Jason, had a really interesting chat with him, um, about, I think for me, I, I, I doubted that I was in a position that I could do that. Um, so yeah, just kind of getting his take on it as well. Um, not just my coach's bias. Yeah. And I, I do want to talk to you about, and I feel like you've given me the okay and hopefully this is not too personal. But <laughs> So you obviously had huge weight loss success when you first started coming to the gym, Mel, and yep. you were in my growth phase course yes. and we've spoken about this a bit, a bit and it's something that I've dealt with in my own growth phase. We sort of run a bit of a similar path with, path, path with going into season B competitions, yep. you know, growth phases and stuff. And I'd like to get your take because – we know in a growth phase with eating in a surplus of calories, so our scale weight's going to go up. I mean, that's mm -hmm. a sign of success in a growth phase. Uh, but with that, there is also going to be a certain amount of muscle, uh, of body fat. It's not just muscle mass, right? Yeah. Um, I would love to hear your insight on someone who's had, you know, the journey that you've had, especially with like weight loss and back and all that sort of stuff, to uh, be going into a phase where, you have seen um, the scale increase and has that impacted you at all? How do you feel about it? And just, just to try to benefit any listeners who might be in the same position as you having had such a successful journey but really wanting to build muscle and they're lean and it's like, well, this is what i got to do. What, what's your, your experience been? Yeah, it, it's been an interesting one. And I, I think that I, I was very hesitant for a long time um, to even entertain the idea of, you know, going and building muscle, you know, on purpose, even though I, like, even when I was powerlifting, it was, I understood that, you know, more muscle mass is going to get me better results in the long run. But I was still, my mindset was still very stuck in that, you know, the, the reward of continual weight loss and striving for that lower number on the scale. And then, you know, entering powerlifting, I am entering a 
weight class based sport. So then it was like, okay, well, you know, I've got to be really diligent here and ensuring that, you know, I'm, I'm within my weight class. And that probably, you know, for, for all the things I love about powerlifting, that part of the sport made me neurotic. Um, and, you know, we, we've had many chats, um, you know, anyone that knows me has experienced my, how neurotic I got especially my first um, sanctioned meet around would I make weight um, because, you know, my my sort of journey with my scale weight has, you know, it's been up and down. Um, so, you know, trying to predict what weight I was going to be on a particular day, it, that, that filled me with a lot of anxiety. Um, but it was interesting that, you know, once I made the decision that I was going to go into bodybuilding, you know, had the conversation with my coach that that is going to require a, a dedicated phase of building muscle, you know, surplus, here we come, you know, there's going to be a lot of um, sort of changes that are going to be made there. Um, and I think, I think I was just ready for more food. I'd, I'd honestly spent so long dieting that it was like, yeah, okay, let's do this initially. And for the first few weeks, coped really well, had so much more energy, you know, scale weight, yes, it did go up naturally, um, but it wasn't insane. And it, that actually taught me um, in hindsight just how neurotic I had actually been um, in powerlifting because I, I was like, I was, you know, we, you've said it on some of your podcasts, I think when you had Jess and so on, I was one of those people, you know, weighing spinach out because I was adamant that, you know, 10 grams too much spinach was going to push me out of my weight class. Like stupid things like that, which I, I think it was like, I'd been in my surplus for about three weeks and I was still within my weight class for powerlifting. And I was like, man, if that, like, what have I been doing? And I think that was a really beneficial side of, of going into a surplus is seeing that you, you don't make those drastic growth, like changes on scale um, at, that you think you are. But yeah, there was definitely a lot of concern for me because I have, you know, I have battled the scales in the past. And as much as you don't want to assign a meaning to the number that you see on that scale, there is, there's almost a, a meaning to a trend. So I'm not caught up on any particular number, but I go through phases where, if I see it climbing every single day, whilst we know that's what we want in a growth phase and it is, you know, a sign of success, which was one of the fantastic things that you, you did point out in the growth phase module, uh, it, it's almost like taking me back to when I was yo-yo dieting and the, the angst that that would bring about. Um, but I think it's just Education. Honestly, I, I will scream it from the rooftops for as long as I live. Like, get yourself educated. And, you know, I, I honestly believe that I can't slip back into those patterns again now that I am educated in, you know, nutrition. And I'm not talking like go out there and get a degree, like just 
very basic things, um, understanding how to structure a meal, um, portion sizes, just understanding how to read the nutrition label on packages. Like one thing that I, I don't know whether we've discussed this before or not. I used to drink ice break, like I loved ice break. And I would probably have about uh, three of them in a week. And then when I first started looking at nutritional panels, thinking I understood, I was like, yeah, I'm tracking it. It's not that much. And then you put up a post about serving sizes. <laughs> and I looked at it and it was like 2.8 servings per bottle. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> what do you mean? Like nobody saves a bottle of ice break for almost three consumption occasions. And it, it, I had probably been tracking at this point for about three months before realising that a bottle of something wasn't necessarily just one portion size or, you know, a packet of something wasn't a portion size. Now, it wasn't as stupid as like a family size bag of chips or something. I knew that that was meant to be shared, but, you know, no one's sharing an ice break. So, you know, those sorts of things definitely had an impact on me early on. And I just mean like that sort of education is really important and it, it does come across to, you know, the growth phase, regardless of what phase you're in. I think, you know, being educated as to what is the intent of that phase? What are you trying to achieve with that phase? Um, and ultimately, like that was why I signed up to your growth phase um, education platform because it was the first time for me heading into a growth phase. I felt very comfortable that I knew how to diet effectively. I spent the last four and a bit years doing it um, with great success. But there was just this sort of concern for me that I, I didn't know how to effectively do a growth phase without it getting out of hand, without me just you know, ending up as 98 kilos and going, oh, shit, sorry, coach. Like, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I basically prioritised learning as much as I could about what that entailed and then you very um, conveniently put up a post saying, I'm launching a growth phase and I'm like, hell yeah, you are and I am in. <laughs> yeah, I, I really agree and, like, this is why I did it because, number one, it's not very popular. Uh, no. no one wants to talk about this. Uh, especially for females, I don't think anyone's doing education courses specifically on growth phases. It doesn't get likes on Instagram. It's not no. popular. Um, I think I've said this to you a few times when I polled people, like, which education course do you want? It wasn't the popular option. Shred phase. Yeah, everyone wanted that. And I was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to do it first because I think this is the more important one to do. And I don't care if it's not that popular. It's important yeah. for women who want to do it. Um, to be able to have an outlet to to be confident in a growth phase. And I think just to something that I think is really important to say, right, is I still think that there is a little bit of um, with people who have been restricting and dieting for so long, they hear oh, a surplus and then they think that they want to do it because they think it's going to be a free-for-all um, that their coach is going to help them with. Yeah. And exactly what you were saying, Mel, that's how we end up back at 98 kilos. But I, if anyone's listening, that's a warning sign you have some food issues to be dealt with by a professional. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's when we need to look at 
our mindset around food, whether that's a psychologist specializing in, um, you know, disordered eating or eating disorders or something like that, we really have to ask ourselves if we're still feeling that restricted, that when we hear surplus phase, it has nothing to do with, with muscle mass and it only has to do with, well, then I can have three bowls of ice cream at night. Like I think we need some help. Yeah. Um, and I think too, as a coach, it's important to have conversations if we are seeing a, a client who's struggling with potentially uh, being very neurotic with restricting and then having bouts of overeating, no way in effing hell should they be told that they're going into a growth phase. Mm-hmm. Maintenance, absolutely. And there's, you know, maintenance is not a number, it's a range. Absolutely, yeah. go for your life at maintenance, instill good habits, maybe don't even track and just be um, very mindful with eyeballing portion sizes and maybe food journaling and all those sorts of things. But I ju- did just want to say like surplus is, I don't think it's really hit mainstream, but they potentially can sound like this fun phase. Um, yeah, It is I'll not fun. <laughs> <laughs> for, for the people who are listening and not, not watching, yeah. it is not fun. It is actually really difficult. And I was, I was chatting online to your coach the other day. We were just checking in and saying hi. And I was like, Naively, I thought that I was going to boss this because I'm like, damn, I was 98 kilos. I can eat. I cannot <laughs> eat. <laughs> it, it, it is there is a massive difference between eating with intention and just eating out of control. Like, yeah. Absolute night and day. And I think to your point, if if you you are kind of finding that, you know, your your coach has given you a, a, a larger target to hit and you see that as hell yeah, ice cream, donuts, Big Macs, whatever I can have, then it, it's probably some alarms should sound. And I would say, you know, chat to your coach about it because that is not what it, it should be about. There, there is still very much, it's not just the calories, it is the, the macro breakdown within that. Um, and, you know, I will put, hold my hand up and say for the first two weeks um, that I had an increase in calories, I was like, hell yeah, not dieting, all the fun foods uh, because I had dieted for so long and basically, you know, saw quite a rise in my weight, um, but I was not hitting my macronutrient split at all. I was hitting my calories, um, but you can imagine the breakdown of that as I was like reintroduced to my world famous ice cream. Um, And yeah, it it was like, okay, so time to pull yourself back now because this is not a free for all. Um, You need to hit a protein target if you're actually going to build muscle, which is, hey, guess what? The intent behind doing this. Um, And I think it's also like really important. And I, I know it was something you focused a lot on in the course but it's like time blocking these things it's not just like eat until you you go stupid it's like okay so this is going to be like 16 weeks of your progress and after that we're then going into this phase and after that we're going into this phase and having it mapped out I think is really important for the mindset as well like I know that 
you know, there there is a big challenge when you are coming back from being lean and you've had this sort of journey of yo-yo dieting that it can be a bit scary to start seeing the scale weight increase, the clothes fitting a bit tighter. Um, you know, something that someone mentioned to me that I hadn't even realized, but I used to have like a vein going through my bicep and they're like, hey, that's disappeared. And I'm like, Yes, yes, it has. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out. Um, so, but but knowing that there's a time frame on that, and that it's not just, you know, I'm going to keep this going for all eternity. Um, it helps with kind of. You know, feeling a bit more comfortable when those things do start happening because they will happen and it's a sign of the progress. It is a sign of you're achieving what you're meant to achieve. And I, I think we, we're very conditioned to focus on that weight loss scale number coming down. Um, and, you know, it happens quite quickly and, you know, you see daily changes and you celebrate that success and society is like, hell yeah, you're losing weight. How fantastic. Um, it's rare for it to go the other way um, that they're like, pe- people have stopped commenting um, now. So you mentioned earlier, like how did my friends and family react? I'm kind of sitting in that range now where no one comments on my, my body. So it's almost like I must be at an acceptable range um for to keep people happy at the moment I'm not too skinny um there's probably a few comments about you're looking pretty wide or quite muscular and things like that and I'm like hell yeah this is working um which again is is just a reflection of being ready and um, for those changes to take place because you know here's a note for people maybe just don't make a comment because no one knows like how I actually am feeling about my body on any particular day. And like we've spoken about this on multiple occasions. I seem to attract a lot of weird dudes that just come and speak to me about the way I look. Um, I've had people like comment about, you know, <laughs> calling me an Amazonian, uh, you know, saying that I'd bash up random dudes and like it, I get that I'm probably not the body shape that people expect, but, you know, that, that, that good old phrase of if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all, just don't say anything at all because what you might deem as a nice compliment or, you know, something that could be positive, the way that it is actually communicated, it may not land that way and you don't know how that person is actually feeling in that current body. So just don't say anything, especially if you don't know them. Absolute mic drop. (laughs) I think it's really important, Mel, to also say, you know, I've experienced this multiple times. So I've gone through it. I've gone through a surplus, I think like two big main ones, right? Um, And it is really interesting because you get way less attention. People uh, think you're way less serious about your training. There's a lot of things that, that come with that. And I feel like I'm lucky now that I have quite a bit of experience in dealing with that um, and being able to know that. I, I don't even know how to say this. Not that I like, I don't care because I will admit if I had any negative comments, which I haven't had, I'm sure I actually probably would care. Um, mm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't get them um, probably because I'm just up in my 
little house <laughs> my coaching now and training two days a week out of my gym. <laughs> but yeah um I did want to say that especially if this is kind of new to you maybe the education isn't quite there mm. I just want you to be prepared if you do go into a surplus phase for like what Mel said force feeding yourself um nutrient dense food that hit your macro hit your macro isn't isn't that much of a fun time it can be pretty awful there's going to be some body fat gain and there's going to be a drop in people giving you validation. <laughs> so, so just be prepared for that um, and know that, that that's not a, success, a sign that you're not succeeding. Um, you know, you'll be talking, hopefully you've got a coach, you'll be talking with your coach about your metrics of success and managing that. Just understand that it's not the cool thing to be doing. It's just not. And maybe for dudes it might be a little bit better. I don't think it is actually better actually for dudes. I think they it's the same thing. You know, if there's a coach without abs, you know, it's reflected poorly on them. They mustn't know their shit because, well, they can't maintain abs 365 days a year, right? Um, but, yeah, you know, we see that a lot with women as well. Um, but it's, I think it's up to you, and Mel, Mel spoke about values before, just to ask yourself what's important to you what was your what's your intention and knowing that it's a phase and you will be through it but you know there's also a character building part to it I think it's it's taught me a lot Mm -hmm. um, because I've I've seen my I guess you could call engagement to an extent um, come down compared to when I was posting my you know prep years and years ago like like you said it's fucking insane people are all in your dms there's a lot of hype um, a lot of attention and it's a click of the fingers the day the show's finished it's gone it's gone it is gone (laughs) um and I like that I've experienced that because I know how fleeting it is I know to be very grateful to everyone um who's who's cheering you on during some kind of prep it's phenomenal they don't need to do that but also knowing that it's very, very fleeting and it will be gone in the click of her fingers, especially when we're doing something in an aesthetic sport where you don't look the part for quite a number of months, if not years, depending on how long you're doing you're yeah. for a show. Because, um, like, for example, you know, Jason and I have been doing this for, well, I, I moved into hypertrophy into, like, August 2020. Then I think I decided that I wanted to compete early 2021. We're early 2022. Um, and he's just said, I've um, got another small growth phase to go before the prep, right? So it's a long time that I yeah. probably look pretty freaking average. Um, and I don't think you look average. <laughs> but, you know, people are probably like, well, what's so special about this coach? There's nothing special. You know, she doesn't look like she knows anything about growing or whatever, like, you know, or shredding. <laughs> um, and it's like, you know, I know my time will come and I yeah. must, I don't know, I'm very confident in the success of the prep that I'm going to go into potentially because I've been working with my coach for so long. We've done many successful phases and I've already done a prep and that was a great success mm-hmm. uh, the, 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 uh, up until the comp date, post-comp was not. But I'm very confident that all my hard work and I know the months and years of, of training is going to um, lead into great prep, but I also know there's going to be an increase of intention, attention mm-hmm. and come how many days are there in October? The the day after the 30th of October, it's going to go, you know, click yeah. of the fingers. So um, that goes for anyone too, though, even just a, even just a dieting block. You know, yeah. you're going to be getting photos with your friends or whatever. Everyone's going to be commenting within four to six weeks 
Um, there may not be as many lines. Yeah. <laughs> um, we may not see shoulders popping, pumps in the gym may be a little bit less and it's just name of the game if we're looking at hypertrophy. Yeah. I think it comes back down to like looking at what motivates you to do the things that you're doing in the gym though because if you are just doing it for for the likes or the shares or the you know sneaky dms that come rolling on in like you're probably doing it for the wrong reasons and you need to stop and think about it because let's face it both both bodybuilding and powerlifting, they're extreme sports. There's a lot that goes into them for a minuscule amount of time on comp day. Um, so, you know, so many weeks, half a year worth of training, prep, nutrition, mindset, everything that goes into that very small particular day, if you're just doing it for how people perceive you, it's going to be a rough ride. It really is. Like you, you need, you need to want to do it for different reasons, I think. And, you know, I think that's what's going to get you through the, the difficult times, regardless of what you're preparing for. Like even for someone who's like, you know, getting married and, you know, losing the five kilos sort of thing to get married. There's a reason why you're doing that and it's okay. So, it doesn't just come down to those pursuits, sporting pursuits. It's making sure like what you're doing is there's a deeper reason to it just to make it easier on yourself when times get tough. Well, even Mel, you know what I'm thinking is like COVID, injury, um, there's, who knows? Yep. Um, sometimes <laughs> shows and meets don't happen. Yep. And then it's like, okay, so what is your identity made up of? Yeah. Um, and like you've said, hopefully, you know, the out- outcomes are amazing and you get 30 seconds to shine and then that's it. But um, what does the process mean to you? Yeah. And how do you see yourself engaging in the process? And I think, I think you and I, we do like to set amazing outcome goals. Uh, we both get a bit of a thrill. But I think you and I also have expectations for ourselves within the process yeah. and that that says a lot to us about our own is self-esteem the right word but our our ability to show ourselves what we're capable of yeah. which is in the process <laughs> yeah i think it's like the internal reward system we, we, we see the, the process as the reward um, along the way. Um, and you, know, you get a lot of fulfilment from doing that, uh, just, you know, more so than necessarily what happens on the day. Uh, because, yeah, the world of pandemic land, um, things can get stripped away pretty quick. And it, it was interesting because when my comp got cancelled, um, I I had a friend reach out to me and it's like, oh, what are you going to do now that your comp's cancelled? It's like, well, I was going to be training anyway, so I'm going to carry on training. Um and, yeah, I just found it quite interesting that it's like, yeah, sure, I was training towards, that was actually 2020's meet um, when that got cancelled. Um, so it's like, but I'm going to be training anyway. So I may as well just train towards this outcome that, and then if that gets cancelled or it gets pushed or whatever, then, you know, time hasn't been wasted. I was going to be doing that anyway. I love it. To finish us off, Mel, 
What are you looking forward to most coming into your first show? Mm, wow. Um, is there anything to look forward to? <laughs> I'm sure there is. Uh, I, I guess for me it is I'm looking forward to the challenge of it. So it is a new pursuit for me. It is very much the great unknown. Um, and I feel like as many YouTube clips, thanks Amy for sending me down that rabbit warren um, that you can watch, uh, you know, any people that you've um, spoken to that have gone through it before, everyone's had such a different experience that it, it's almost impossible to sort of take from their experience what you will go through so you know I have I have had the fun of dieting down um, in powerlifting so um, you know not to the same extent as what this is going to be but I, I think just I'm looking forward to the challenge and seeing how I react to that hopefully with you know another 18 months under my belt of you know sort of education and really getting my brain around things um, hopefully deal with it a lot better um, than what I did when I first set out in a weight class sport um, but yeah I'd say that that's the main thing um, the mainly just also that the excitement of like trying to choose bikini colors I think that is going to be like I have no idea. Um, so that's going to be a bit of fun because I do love a bit of bling and sparkle, um, I'm, but I don't know. I was actually going <laughs> to ask you, Mel, um, I was actually going to say, is choosing your um, posing, your um, bikini going to be the thing that is very exciting? <laughs> I, I feel like that's going to be my reward to some extent, like push through and then, you know, getting to getting to the exciting part of like the bikini, the jewellery and things like that. Like that, that's a bit of a reward for the process that you're going through in a way, I think. Yeah, I reckon so too. Thank you so much for chatting Thank with you. me. I have loved it so much and I think that there is just so many takeaways um, for people who are listening. Now, shout out to your coach. So if anyone wants to follow Dylan, his Instagram is Dylan, which is D-Y-L-A-N underscore G-E underscore P-T. Smells coach. That's um, the man. Now, what's your... Um, What's your Instagram handle? Uh, it's at Melanie J Gage. Awesome. If you guys have loved this episode, resonated with any anything, we would absolutely appreciate you screenshotting and sharing on the socials. Please tag the Fit and Free podcast and mine as well. And I will see you all again soon. Great. Thanks, Amy. Bye. Bye. Oh, shit. <laughs>